Hello, I'm Gauri Awasthi and I'm an MFA Poetry student at McNeese State University. Welcome to my podcast, The Feminist Book Club. I'll be sharing books that I think are important feminist texts across genres. And irrespective of the fact, whatever your definition of a feminist is, these are great books, so you should read them anyway. For this first episode, I'll be talking about Women on the Edge of Time by March Piercy. March Piercy was born in Detroit, Michigan, into a working class family that had been hard hit by the Depression. She is the first member of her family to go to university. She has been active in anti-war, feminist and environmental activism. According to the Poetry Foundation website, Piercy, an extremely prolific writer, has published close to 20 books of poetry and close to 20 novels. Her novels generally address larger social concerns through sharply observed characters and brisk plot lines. Though generally focused on issues such as class or culture, and usually written from a feminist position, PRC's novels have taken on a variety of guises including historical fiction and science or speculative fiction. I'm linking her bio and some of my other favorite works in particular poems by her in the description for you to check out. This novel was first published in 1976 by Alfred A. Knopf. This is essential because Woman on the Edge of Time is published during the second wave of feminism and discusses ideas that are even relevant to the present world and align with the current concerns of the feminist movement. It's one of those way ahead of its time sorts of book and considering the fact that it deals with time travel, it all becomes super meta. So what makes this book timeless? For this, we'll go into a little summary of the book, so spoiler alert. The novel is set in the 1970s and revolves around Consula Ramos or Connie, a Mexican-American woman in her late 30s who's being wrongfully held against her will in a mental hospital. She gets in a fight with her niece Dolly's pimp and lover, Geraldo, as he's trying to get her to go through an illegal abortion. She tries to protect her niece and punches him, after which he knocks Connie out and the next thing we know, she's in the asylum. Connie has been in the hospital before because of drug abuse and child neglect, which led her also to lose custody of her daughter. So they believe Geraldo. Dolly doesn't help Connie in that movement or later even, as we realize that she feels sort of powerless and struggles to even have a voice. While in the asylum, Connie starts making contact with an androgynous woman from the future, Yusuke through the course of the novel, Luciente introduces Connie to the world of Mataposet, a community in absolute contrast to Connie's reality. This society is classless, gender neutral, and racial differences are affirmed. The power differentials are eliminated as much as possible. Technology is used for social justice and development. We see clearly how the focus is shifted from capitalism to concerns and plans for social justice and respect for all human beings.
and their individuality. Everyone has their own private spaces to live in and the government is decentralized. Even children have a great sense of freedom and individuality. They're raised by three mothers of any gender and can even choose their own names. There is a focus on individual freedom, choices to follow what you want. There is a sort of equivalent of mental facilities, but they're largely different from Connie's world in comparison to what we have in Matapuzet. As in Matapuzet, you can check yourself into and out of the equivalent of a sanatorium at will, go into or out of various kinds of therapy, or take a mental break in some other way. And no other person has the right to choose this on your behalf or one's behalf. The traditional ideas of mothering, family, gender, environment, as well as mental health are all dealt within what seems to be a utopia for even this current world we live in in 2019 or the one that Connie inhabits. Connie learns all these things about this new world but also learns this is not the only possible future. There is another possibility which is just the opposite of this utopia, a dystopia where women are treated like objects and worse. Through the course of the book, the reader realizes that Connie's choices will determine the future. So we know that the stakes are very high. What got my attention the most in this book is that every chapter as well as social aspect in Connie's world has a counterpart or equivalent in Matapuzet. Connie's world of 1970s felt closer to me to my today than the 2137 future of Matapuzet. So let me highlight how the parallels function so well across the book and make the book an essential read in today's time. In terms of race, it is interesting to see that Connie as an ex-Mexican-American woman is thrown around by white males, especially in the mental hospital where every move she makes is judged by them, further reporting her for mental instability. We also see that people who actually cared for Connie were also victims of this system as her lover dies of hepatitis while in jail. So the systems like government, police, mental facilities do not only diminish her but also cut her sources of love and protection in a violent society. It is a male-dominated patriarchal society where white privilege dominates. Sounds scarily relatable to our present world. Both her gender identity as well as brownness is a major cause of distress. Labels dominate people more than anything. Towards the end of this book, we see this specifically as PRC's final chapter are basically excerpts from the official history of Consuelo Camacho Ramos, State of New York, Department of Mental Hygiene, where the closing report marks her course of mental illness as a deteriorative process. As the novel progresses, we also see that labels dominate identity in Connie's world as she is thrown around. She is very aware of this. The narrator dictates on the way to the asylum the following. As she was beckoned out with rough speed, she was surprised to see girls 
wheeling above far inland as over other refuse grounds little was recycled here she was human garbage carried to the dump this literal expression says so much more about her situation we see this as a stark contrast to luciente's world luciente seems to be a parallel to connie from time to time in the novel she serves as a light of hope for things that could be or would be for connie and several other women like her if it weren't for the perils of the current society we see a major contrast in the perception of mental health care across the two time periods especially in chapter 3 when luciente asks connie where she is because she looks lonely and she responds by saying it's a loony bin a mental hospital luciente is surprised that it is so ugly and not taken care of luciente further informs connie saying our madhouses are places where people retreat when they want to down into themselves to collapse carry on see visions hear voices of prophecy bang on walls relive infancy getting in touch with the bed itself and the inner mind we all lose parts of ourselves we all make choices that go bad how can another person decide that it is time for me to disintegrate myself this highlights how much mental health is valued and individual freedom is considered paramount in matter possessed connie on the other hand describes the madhouse as having more women than chairs we see how the doctors want to use the bodies of patients for experiments and rewire their brains they're treated like commodities even outside the madhouse When the narrator informs the reader about Connie being signed into the asylum, she says, "Some truce had been negotiated between the two women over the bodies of their women." Such dehumanization is prevalent throughout the book. Men have control over women's bodies outside and inside the asylum. The truce being negotiated by men over women's bodies highlights this. The violent patriarchy ensures the commodification of women and the patients are treated like laboratory rats. The value of life is very less, which also affects ideas of living such as exhaustion of fossil fuels versus solar energy usage or growing your own food versus starving to make ends meet. We see all these contrasts in Connie's world and in Matapazit. The future has sustainable practices that value life and death. It also makes sense then that to outlive the prevalent ideas of patriarchy, in Matapazit, non-gendered pronouns like per and person are used. We also see how Connie misgenders Luciente as a man and later finds out she is an androgynous woman. One of the most intriguing parts was how traditional ideas of family and mothering are broken down in this future 
where the concept of monogamy is eliminated. We see how Lucien Day has what we would classify as multiple lovers in today's world. We meet several other characters like Jack Rabbit and Bee. And even though there is no monogamy, there is still jealousy. So we see a heightened focus on feelings and awareness about one's own being in this future. It is no wonder then that this idea of a future also strikes Connie as odd at first. We also see how men and women both can be mothers. Children are born through test tubes when an old person in the community dies. Men can even best feed. There is a focus on individuality, equality, for which the power of birth should not be limited to either sexes. All these thoughts are really moving throughout the length of the book and open discussion to ideas about mothering, family and environmental practices. Through an array of characters we meet through the length of the book, we see a possible future but also know what's at stake for Connie when we see the reality of the other future, which is the total dystopia, which somehow, I have to say, didn't feel that far away from our real world. One major question that I was left with, similar to a question March Piercy answers in her introduction to the 2016 edition of the novel. Why write a novel like Woman on the Edge of Time? The point of such writing is to influence the present by extrapolating current trends for advancement or detriment. She further talks about how even now mental patients are dumped on streets without support. We still drug but provide little counselling or safe lodging. Piazzi also refuses to classify her book as utopia because she says it's accessible. There's almost nothing there except the brooder not accessible now. So it's hardly a utopia. It is very intentionally not a utopia because it is not strikingly new. The ideas are the ideas basically of women's movement. This appealed to me as the etymology of utopia goes back to the Greek words meaning no place. I see women on the edge of time as the possibility between the starkly different futures we hold. It is especially important now at a time of political turmoil around the world where right-wing governments have risen and are more so trying to control women's bodies. The Alabama abortion ban in the USA of 2019 or the presidency win for former army captain Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil by a decisive margin in the Brazil of 2018 or the silence of the now two-term Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi on dangers faced by women, minorities in Kashmir. All make this book an important reader in today's time, especially to awaken a new consciousness of change, one that, like Connie, irrespective of consequences, can help make our future livable. Were Connie's visions a result of her mental disorders? Did her actions have any real impact? Was she actually able to change the course of the future? You should read the book to find out.